Face podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. they're selling yep it's it's just ridiculous it's they're gonna have to come up with something that gives you a little bit better management i guess of it hey josh i I guess we're live so i was just just about to talk about my bradley beal low serial number come on keep keep going i I said i'm hitting live we can still keep talking about top shot no it's not that interesting (laughs) we're not pete overset we don't get to just keep uh talking (laughs) top shot whenever we want why the hell not all right everyone welcome to episode 69 of the fantasy timeline nice. a proud member here yeah, of the dynasty addicts podcast network i'm josh at real fantasy tl i'm here with my main man bill at super duper flex bill how you doing uh doing good man uh, excited to have these three gents with us uh three of my favorite people in the business and uh you know i always look forward to nights like this uh, I agree. Uh, if you're listening to this in podcast form, on obviously you don't know what we're talking about. Usually we might have one guest. Sometimes we spice it up and bring two. But these three guys are so great at what they do. We need to have them all on at once. We have the entire crew from the Dynasty Theory podcast, Mitch, Coach Dan, and JB. How are you fellas doing? Fantastic. Doing well. Excited for this. It's a good-looking group tonight. I I feel like we got the whole family together. Like, we've mixed and matched and passed podcasts together, but I think this is the first time it's been all five of us, yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Yep. So So uh, this is exciting. It's uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts. I know it's one of Bill's favorite podcasts. So anytime we can get these guys on, we uh, we throw them on and we, uh, we chop it up. So... On that note, let's hit the news. So Texans signed David Johnson to a one-year contract after they cut Duke Johnson. So I guess it'll be David Johnson and whoever they take with their maybe their first pick in the third round. Uh, what do you guys dynasty-wise think about this David Johnson with the Texans? Whoever wants to go first. So I'll jump on that one real quick because this is what I've been telling everybody is – Hold him until August. If you have him on your team, hold him until August. And I don't care what your team looks like. If you need a running back, you still trade him. You trade him. There is going to be a running back needy team somewhere who's going to be willing to trade for him. That is going to be your only point for the rest of his career to get anything out of him. So that is just the sell for me. I will figure out my running back spot somewhere else. But he is one to where I'm just going to hold till August. Then I'll move him after that. He's even somebody in early offseason startups. The point he's been slipping, 
even if it doesn't matter how your roster is constructed, you're going to get that value from him. Just like Mitch said, and Mitch, Mitch and I, we clash on a lot of our takes and thoughts, but this is one that he has been preaching. I mean, he brought it up, I think immediately after the season ended and here we are, they, they restructured his deal, right? Is that what they did? Was it a restructure or, well, anyway, you know, so I I think, and like Josh said, they're probably going to bring somebody else in because the Duke Johnson uh, release, but David Johnson, he's still going to have some type of value. Just like Mitch said, get, get him out there once the season rolls around. But I'm not actively looking to pick him up in an existing league. There's no reason for that at this point. Yeah, I'm curious what that some kind of value is going to be. And you mentioned the word slipping, JB. He, he's going to have to take like a nosedive to land on any of my rosters. I have zero David Johnson shares. I plan on acquiring zero David Johnson shares unless he did sl- just like literally fell in my lap. That would be the only way. But uh, the Houston Texans, as we know, they are my top most dysfunctional team out there. And I think by time the season rolls around, like I currently have some Watson and Fuller shares, and they'll probably stay on my rosters but they won't be Houston Texans. So I could almost confidently say I may have zero Houston Texans on my roster this year. And I just think when you look at David Johnson, it's if Watson's out of there and Fuller's out of there, they're probably putting eight in the box. And he didn't do much last year with Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. You know, he flashed a little bit at the end, but uh, for Dynasty, I'm greatly concerned. And I'm even more worried now about my boy Tua, who I was starting to get on a little bandwagon for. But uh, if he gets swapped over there by any chance to Houston, I'm getting a little nervous, gentlemen. Real, really quick, Dan. Three. He went right before the 308 in a startup. That's pretty low, and I'm confident that you could probably flip him for more than not not much more, but more than that. Come time the season rolls around. Yeah, if, if I could get a third for David Johnson, I'd be great. My notes here said, unless he falls on my lap, like for a fourth rounder and, and like a, a player I would cut, I just, no thanks. Yeah, I think that the max you get is like a late second once you get into the, like mm-hmm. b- right before the season or maybe if he pops, you know, like week one. Like, so, I mean, I guess if you're able to get him in a startup in that range, late third, it might be worth just the chance and if you're expecting to have a decent team you know you're not you know throwing in the towel for a year one in a startup then maybe like maybe it's worth adding him just to see what happens um but it's totally a flyer at this point um i'm not sure like i'm very much like you dan i don't want and i'm not looking well pretty much everybody right not looking to add them to your rosters um but it is interesting that they did, you know, make sure that they, you know, that he's sticking around for the year and um, they did get rid of Duke. So, I mean, there's some interesting things. I mean, they obviously have to add somebody else. I mean, there's just no way around that. I mean, it's not like he's going to be a, a bell cow. You know, a lot of times this time of year, everybody gets super excited. And we'll get to this a little bit later about players when somebody gets cut and, um, I think that, you know, people overweight those moves. And so this might even not be a bad time to try to move him because there might be at least some value at this point. Mitch, is it 
by Duke Johnson season again. I feel like it oh, comes no. up every year. No, year. no, I did that two years ago, and I'll never I live remember. it down. Thank you for that first. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> yeah got one was, of them. <laughs> I I vetoed that trade. Mitch you and I did. Co managers, and I told Mitch I don't want to do it. And we sent a first. And I think Duke had like 13 touches that season. It, it was a good idea at the time. I don't care what you say. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah, and Bill, you bring up an interesting point because we hear the news, whether it's contract extension or trade or, or cut or whatever, and people get excited. I mean, uh, you know, we'll talk about this uh, later on, but, you know, Kyle Rudolph got cut, and now, like, Irv Smith is, like, tight end three, and, you know, we're all – but this David Johnson thing, it almost seemed like – even on Twitter, it was just – Nobody talked about it. Everybody was like, it's David Johnson, whatever. We don't care. We've been down this road before. So it'll be really interesting to see what, if anything, you can get for David Johnson now. And then, like Mitch was mentioning, maybe waiting until August or maybe even week one if he has, like, you know, 50 yards rushing and, like, eight catches for, like, 70 yards and maybe a touchdown. It's like, oh, he got all these yards and all these catches. It'll be interesting to see because this seems like the one move that no one has talked about. And I mean, I think it's for good reason, but yep. you know, it'll be, it'll be fun to, uh, to see what happens in the David Johnson market. What One thing really quick, you know, I, I know it's easy, easy to say like, Oh, I would move David Johnson for a late second, like Bill brought up, or I just mentioned that he went right before three Oh eight, but maybe something that you would look to do in a league that, you know, you're a year or two in, if there is a team that's built to contend and you have David Johnson on your roster and you're not going to be contending. And like Mitch said, look to move him when the season rolls around, but maybe at this point in time, see if you could package David Johnson with a third and move up in the second or something like that. Not nothing drastic, but it, it at least gives you an opportunity to cash out on David Johnson here. Maybe somebody does believe, oh, Duke Johnson getting cut. David Johnson, it's his time to really shine. You know, if you can find that one person in the league, uh, it might be a good idea. Would you move him for AGG? Like, sure. that's that's almost like the point of like where I'm trying to think of like what kind of like young player would you have to get? And then, like nobody responded yes or no there. So I kind yeah, of. Yeah, I would it. actually keep David Johnson there, I think. I think yeah. I would rather just have the points on the field at that point. Wait, I honestly thought you said AJG as an AJ oh. Green. Oh, no. Yeah. You <laughs> still had to think about Antonio it. Antonio Gandy Golden. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I heard. Um, oh, uh, no, I'll take David Johnson over Gandy Golden. That's, that, I think that's my point. Like Gandy Golden to me is the equivalent of like a fourth. Right. Like I yeah. like for you know if I have a contending roster and you're offering me David Johnson, I'd rather keep my third. You know, I, I would give you my fourth and some guy I'm gonna cut like like Gandy Golden. Oof. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's where we're at. How the it's somewhere in that home. range, at least, right? <laughs> Josh, I was just gonna say that, man. How the mighty, I mean, it was what, two, three years ago? This was like the, the 101, and we were like, this guy runs, this guy catches, he blocks, he does everything. We love him. And now it's like, hey, how about Antonio Gandy Golden? <laughs> it's like, what? But he still has more value than uh, Todd Gurley. I was looking at the startup we're, we're in. Todd Gurley's still going behind him. And wow. you talk yep. about a fall from grace. Holy cow. Yeah, man. Uh, oh, another guy that just, 
I, I remember I, I'm in a startup that started exactly three years ago, and he was the 101 in a 16 team super flex, and he was the 101 three years ago, and oh, now be painful. Now we're like uh, Todd Gurley. Uh, what are we in the 18th round? All right, yeah, yeah. Let's queue him up. Let's let's go. And it's it's crazy. I bet how Andrew pretty- Luck was right around there too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have to remind John. <laughs> this has nothing to do with David Johnson or Todd Gurley, yeah. but Andrew Luck. It was a. Uh, this happened in a few situations, but one fourteen-team super flex league. I traded up to get him. I believe it was ninth or tenth overall. A week later, he retired, and it was just. I'm still recovering. It's it's rough. Yeah, it's devastating. That's crazy. And then obviously I mentioned it earlier. The, the next bit of news, Kyle Rudolph was waived by the Vikings. Uh, is there a spot that you guys can think of? And the answer can be no, that you're like, Hey, Kyle Rudolph, like, all right, like, let, let me try to get him on my team. Is there any spot that you guys can think of? I think there's only one for me, but I'll let you guys say no before I say it. So for fantasy purposes, I think the answer is no. The report came out, and it makes so much sense that he would be interested in Cleveland. And again, not for fantasy purposes, but you have Stefanski there who came over, and it's like a situation. I mean, they have, they have 15 tight ends that everybody loves, especially Austin Hooper. You have the Hooper scooper over here. But I, I, I think that makes sense. But yeah, fantasy-wise, I'm out. I, I think you have to define impact, too. You know, like like I think overall I'm with John, but I mean there could be some moderate value depending on where he goes. We don't know who's going to offer him so much money. You know, if he goes someplace like New Orleans, who just let go of Cook. I know we all like Troutman, but maybe Troutman's not as ready as we maybe think he is. And then he goes there and he he could score some touchdowns in a two you know tight end premium league. Again, not excited about Rudolph. I'm not going out trying to trade him, but he could be a guy that's okay on your roster and a you know, tight end premium league if he lands in the right spot. I think the only spot, I'm going to try to guess it, Bill, is it the Bengals? Because that's like the only spot I could think of to where they really, really need a tight end and anyone there will kind of hold value. Patriots, Jaguars? Uh, I was thinking Indy. Um, what about the Chargers? I mean, that's not a bad one either. I think I think it's got to be a place that's going to utilize, like, because he's he is an okay blocker too, like, that you know it needs to kind of be a a team I consider a running team a little bit, and so that's that was at least kind of why I was leaning Indy, especially because I think all their tight ends are like free agents at the moment, I believe, or yeah. at least restricted. Yeah, I, I know Mo Ali Cox is restricted. We just talked about him not long ago. Um, and I think Burton and Doyle are free agents. So I, I mean that Doyle was just one that I thought, idea. but um. It's yeah, like I'm, six teams right out of the gate there that potentially could throw the ball to a tight end. And give Dan, them- what about the Cowboys? Not a chance. Yeah, so whatever. Stop, stop <laughs> What's the expectation? They're full though, of JB. Like, even if he plays somewhere, it's going to be like a tight end two, right? Like a, or like thirteen to twenty four. Um, so I yeah. think that's even over ambitious, but yeah. depends where he yeah, goes. You're probably like, right. Like I'm. This worried. is where we are with the off season that. These David Johnson, Kyle Rudolph are the breaking news guys to talk about. I mean, that's Deep how we analysis got, man. on the well, fantasy listen, timeline. 
we can't we can't get a a Stafford for Goff trade every week. You know, sometimes, I, I know, sometimes know. this is what you get. So, uh, all right. Hey, wait, wait, one last thought on Rudolph. It's maybe less exciting of you know obtaining him where he goes, but whose value could he impact? Like, let's just say he went to New England. If you're high, if you still like you know Asi Asi over there, now does that kind of devalue him for a while? Or you know, so he could impact someone else's touches and volume and drop someone in our, our rankings. Yeah, that's a good, good call. He could go to, he could go to Seattle and completely sour us on DK and Tyler Lockett. <laughs> I don't think that's what he does. Hey, J, JB likes Will Disley, man. It could ruin JB's Will Disley shares there. So. For his price. I love Will Disley. I agree. So, we, so you don't want Rudolph to go to Seattle then, right? JB. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, too worried, but no, not too worried. But I don't want anybody to go to Seattle because anybody. I mean, even though he dealt with injuries a little bit, I mean, uh, Greg Olson kept Will Disley off the field at times, so I don't want anybody going there. <laughs> All right, that, that was a good talk. I know the news wasn't the most uh, groundbreaking and earth shattering, but uh, but we made it through, and I think we uh, we highlighted some good points. Hey, in deeper leagues, though, there's still guys that. We've seen how how thin rosters can get, and when desperate times, when times get desperate, those are the types of players you're looking at in deep leagues. And hey, Rudolph is still on our board in a startup that Mitch and John and I are still in. So if anyone's you know what round taking notes here, oh, we're like currently 18th, in eighteenth, nineteenth, yeah, pushing the nineteenth. Sounds like a good time to take Kyle Rudolph if <laughs> uh, if you're in that league with these three guys. Take them uh-huh. before they get them. Hey, and JB and Mitch are up in two picks, which probably won't Perfect. be until tomorrow at the pace of the draft, <laughs> but so they are up in you know a couple picks. All right, cool. So we, we uh, made our way through that. We're going to go to uh, what we saw on the timeline, which is uh, what we're best at here. So uh, this first one, uh, I think you you guys may know this person. This is Linda, and I hope I say this right because she'll get me on Twitter. Lindellians. That's it. Uh, all right, perfect. Good. She won't. Uh, she won't make fun of me tomorrow. Uh, uh, she'll still make. She'll make fun of all of us. Well, yeah, but not for that. I mean, <laughs> I can. I can take all the other stuff. Uh, this one is who is a player that consensus seems to be much higher higher on than you are. For me, it's DK Metcalf, which is actually a really good one. Um, Bill, why don't you start us off? Who uh, Who's your guy? So I'm kind of going a little bit. Um a rookie entering the in the draft uh Kyle Pitts so the reason is everybody is so high on him like and how many first round tight ends end up making it like so I went back looked to 2006 forward 2006 was Vernon Davis he didn't start out amazing but he ended up having a really solid career you know he did quite well for a while then the next year was Greg Olson, who didn't start out well and then ended up having a good career. So how long do you have to wait for them to hit? Then there was 11 other first-round picks for a tight end. And really the only like the top names were like Ebron, O.J. Howard, Njoku, Evan Ingram. And then we get to, um, you know, Hawkinson and Fan. I'll give them TBDs at this point. But, like, there's not a lot of people that I could consider being, you know, a home run 
for first round tight ends. And that's pretty much where P- Pitts is going. I know there's, he has other skill sets that maybe they didn't, you know, and he's pretty much just a receiver, but I mean, that was kind of Fant as well. And I mean, so I, I guess I'm just a little more hesitant. I'm not like anti Pitts, but I'm just not going, I'm not the bug flying towards the light. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm kind of a little hesitant to, uh, to, to go after him. Bill, how early would you take him in like one of the safe leagues where it's the two PPR? Yeah. I mean, that's a little different. I mean, that's somebody I would probably shoot for a little earlier, but, um, but that's because of the scoring. It's not necessarily just because of him. Like I just, we see it so often where that you have to wait two, three years by that time you've already given up on the guy or you have to let him sit and wait. You're wasting a roster spot on the player. And, and those are the kind of things that I just, I'm starting to learn more and more that those roster, those roster spots are so important. And to be able to kind of be, you know, paralyzed in that one spot for years, it's really difficult. And so, and you just don't know, like it might be three years down the road and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I have an Eric Ebron and this is, I'm stuck with, a guy I'm not even sure I'm going to start. So I guess, you know, of course, with that type of scoring, I'm more apt to grab him earlier. But otherwise, I think people are going to draft him before I would. I think these are real good players to start with. You know, Metcalf and uh, Pitts here, because, I mean, they are just specimen of athletes. Definitely those attractive, shiny toys that we all love on our dynasty rosters. And as the Pitts hype has kind of escalated, I went back to look at a recent startup because I'm thinking, man, should I have taken him? You know, I'm starting to drink a little bit of that Kool-Aid too. And he went 405 in our startup, tight end premium, you know, super flex. And I took Chubb at 401. I'm thinking I couldn't take Pitts in front of Chubb. Henry went before him. Nuke went before him. But then Pitts was taken before guys like Alaire, Miles Sanders, Hawkinson, NDN, so CD Lamb. Hmm. But uh, yeah, Bill, I agree with you. I I don't think I'm gonna have much pits just because, and I like them. I like them plenty. But almost exactly like you said, there's just always gonna be somebody that takes him before me in, in our tiered rankings. I have him right at 110, and most likely that's not gonna get the job done. And that is in typical PPR. So, of yeah. course, you get up to 1.5, 1.75, and 2 PPR for tight ends. It's going to be adjusted a little bit. But the way people are talking, and there's some big names out there that are really pumping him up, oh, that yeah. that have followings, there's no way I'm going to get Pitts at 110. Yeah, and Pitts is one of the rare guys that Dynasty Twitter and Draft Twitter agree on. Like, it doesn't matter who you talk to. Like, Kyle Pitts is... Travis Kelsey, like right now, it's not even like, uh, give him two years and he's going to get there. It's like day one, he's going to step out onto the field. I know, uh, Mel Kuyper just did a mock and he had pits going four. it's like, it's crazy out there with the pits love right now. And he may hit right. Like, and I'm okay with that. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm just not willing to roll to take that risk or as early as other people are. And, you know, 
I guess that's just my biggest thing is like tight ends are just such a, a difficult like third rounder, you know, Andrews, right? Like, I mean, you're hitting on guys, fifth rounder, Kittle, you know, it's not, it's tight end is so not the same as like wide receivers and running backs or quarterbacks, you know, like the draft capital is so much less important for that position. So really quick, that that's funny that you brought that up. This is like two years ago now, Peter Howard put something out and it was the hit rates in the draft capital for every position and quarterback, running back, wide receiver, first, second, third round. Obviously, it really had a big difference over fourth, fifth, sixth round and seventh round. Um, but tight end, he found that it wasn't so much draft capital as it was the actual pick in the round that had more bearing. So if you're a tight end that's going to a better team later in the round, you had a better hit rate. And I don't know how significant it was. It might have just been you know, a general observation, but that's what he found. I thought that was really interesting. That, that is. interesting. All right, Mitch, we'll, we'll go with you next. Who's your guy? So it's Justin Jefferson. Like, so I have my top three wide receivers. I don't care what order they're in. It's Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and DK Metcalf. And it's because those three can do things that other players can't do on the field. Like Adams has the best release of anybody. You have Tyreek Hill. Everybody wants to call other players the budget Tyreek Hill because he just does things that no one else does. And then you look at Metcalf. I mean, Metcalf is hopefully slowly going to keep getting better in his skills and somehow turn into like a close version of Julio, right? That's in his expectations could happen. But when I look at Justin Jefferson, and I know he had 1,400 yards as a rookie. He had an amazing rookie year. But I don't know if he is any better than DJ Moore. I don't know if you flip him and DJ Moore, put him on the different teams. Jefferson is there with Bridgewater, and then you put DJ Moore up there with Cousins. I think DJ Moore has a similar season than what we saw with Jefferson. And so just the huge range that we're seeing between those two because Jefferson's being called the one the wide receiver one by a lot of people. And DJ Moore is probably in the top 12, but he's really at the low end of that. That's someone you're getting in the fifth round now to where Jefferson, I mean, everybody loves him, so he's going in the third or fourth. Yeah, I think there's like a huge tier, right? Like a of these young wide receivers that you could pretty much just, you know, reach into the hat, pull one mm -hmm. out and, and you're not necessarily sure which one's going to end up better than the other. And so, yeah, I mean, I can, I can buy that pretty much, um, you know, especially just the way that the offenses are now. I mean, it's just like we, when things change each year, who's going to be the one that commands those targets. And, you know, like they're, like you said, the ones that you named have something special on that, you know, bring something special, something different. And as much as I like Justin Jefferson, I can't tell you this is what he does better than everybody else. Right. And, and sorry, just one more thing, John is like, look at Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin was one of those top five wide receivers. He has uh, not a bad year, but just an okay year. Now, all of a sudden, you could get him in the fifth or sixth round of drafts. And so wide receivers are just, if they don't have a good year, they fall. 
I mean, Michael Thomas was the wide receiver one going into Dynasty. And now you could get him in the fifth round of every single draft. I'll jump in with mine just because, well, you'll find out here in a second. For (laughs) me, there's three guys. It's DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, and A.J. Brown. And again, just like Mitch said, I I love Justin Jefferson. I love A.J. Brown and DK Metcalf. Nobody's questioning their talent or their, you know, I'm not even questioning if you want to call them the wide receiver one, two, and three overall, fine, great. But for me, when you look at wide receivers, it's the opportunity cost to acquire players like that in the draft. Would I much rather have, and I, I, I didn't even have my notes with Mitch's, but it could have, I could have just copied his basically. Would I rather have a DJ Moore or Chris Godwin several rounds later? Absolutely. I think the, the difference between those top tier wide receivers and even all the way what down to wide receiver 18, it's such a gradual drop. Whereas you look at every other position, it's much more top heavy. And for me, it's just the options that you have to pass up on or the value you have to move in order to acquire one of those three wide receivers. And everybody's absolutely in love with all three. And I'm just not willing to pay that price. So for those three, um, yeah, so Linda had DK, Mitch had Jefferson, and I'm adding AJ Brown to the mix for all three. All right, Coach Stan, who's your guy? This is a fun, fun game we've created here, and a fun dream team that's like formulating because I can see all these guys having these incredible years, and one or more of us will be like, "All right, did I really say that?" On, you know, live on, <laughs> oh, on, the, on the record. You know, I like all three, so keep that on the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it comes with a big asterisk because all of us would like these guys on our team. None of us is saying these are bad picks. Take them when you want them, uh, but I think we all see value where we could slide, maneuver in a draft take someone else to get a better value and help our teams. For me, I'm going in a little different direction, at least as far as position, so I get to mix it up here. It could be a controversial one, but top where he's going, I have three guys I like before him. I'm going to pass on Kyler Murray. I, I did it in our startup, and I love him. I had 1.03 in the draft there. JB busted my chops a little bit. Maybe I could have gotten more from him, but at the time, the offers just were not coming in, so – I got just a you know a little bit of value in swapping picks in some different rounds, uh, but at, when I watched Arizona last year, and I don't, I have some diversity in my portfolio as far as quarterback, but Murray's not so much in there. Other, I had him in a redraft league, so I was kind of rooting for him. But I just watched him get beat up last year, and by the end of the year, like he wasn't carrying my team like he was at one point, and I do worry about that a little bit with with Arizona. You know, five hundred team. Uh, are all the pieces there for him? I, I think he's a very talented young kid, but I am concerned about his size, his health long term. Uh, so for me, if I could trade back, I'm totally on the Justin Herbert train right now. I love what the Chargers organization is doing as far as coaching changes and the direction of that team. I love Deshaun Watson's talent. I do believe he's going to land out of Houston and go somewhere good. And then, of course, you know, the, the homer in me, I got Dak behind me there. You know, I'm starting to hear some good reports about his health. He still has all those weapons. He was carrying my rosters for five weeks last year. So I have three guys that are going after Kyler that I would like to take before him. I don't think that's controversial. I, And if it is controversial, I'm actually lining up on your side. And typically, Dan and I were always clashing, but I can't even say anything about that one. Okay, well, how about this like to make it everything con- tonight? To make it controversial, what about Trevor Lawrence over Keller Murray? 
I don't I think, think a lot of people, I mean, I think I'm a lot so of close there right now, to be honest. I have them in the same tier. I have, I have Lawrence, Tyler, Burrow. Russ, Dak, and Lamar. I actually have all, I have Burrow one tier below them. Okay. And Mitch, you could give a perfect explanation. I, Mitch has been spitting truth on Joe Burrow, and I've been absorbing it. I don't know if this is the time or place. I mean, what this is always the time and place. I pretty much have to now, right? So my issue with Joe Burrow, and I think he is, if you could trade him for his value now, you should do it. Because he's top 10 dynasty quarterback, right? So he did not have an, any offseason training last year because of COVID. He was injured this past year, so he is not going to have any offseason training again. So his first two years, he's going to just be going into the season with no training. And then you have um, Coach Taylor will more than likely be fired after this season, right? Because, I mean, the Bengals probably aren't going to be good. And then so you'll be going into your third season with a whole new offense more than likely. And then you'll finally start getting your offseason program work in. And I just think that is so hard for a quarterback to do. And he was an older prospect coming in as well. So I could see all these new guys coming in and leapfrogging over him. And I don't know if he's going to give you that much of an advantage this year to actually maintain what his price is. Interesting. <laughs> Josh is, Josh I'm is not like, buying that. <laughs> it's a good analysis, Mitchell. I, like I try. I try. And he plays for the Bungles, so you got to take you got to take that in consideration too. So much dysfunction. Wait, yeah. really quick, Dan. In our Dynasty Theory intro, your line is there's there's too much dysfunction in Cleveland. We might have to redo that now since there's not <laughs> as much dysfunction. Good point. They've they've definitely slid down, but there is still dysfunction in Jacksonville and Cincinnati. So and Detroit. But Detroit's got Jared Goff, so that's just a whole other. <laughs> that's that's not even fun. Damn right. right it isn't. <laughs> so we, we got our wide receivers out of the way. Coach Dan hit us with our quarterback. I'm going to hit you guys with the running back, and this is the guy that I probably get into the most Twitter debates about. My guy's James Robinson, and I always put this disclaimer out there. He is talented. This isn't a he's not talented thing. This is Mitch is gone. Bye, Mitch. We love you. You're shook, Mitch, buddy. Here's my thing about James Robinson. He's really good. He can do it all. It's obvious if you watch the game of football, you know that. Here's my thing. He had, I can't remember the exact percentage. It was either 85 or 89% of snaps last year. The guys behind him were Divine Ozigbo and Dare Gumbawale. I can't believe Jacksonville with the draft capital that they have and the salary cap room that they have is going to let that running back room stay as is. I think there are going to be some higher quality. I'm not saying high quality, but higher quality than Ozigbo and Agumbawale behind him, which I think could drop his snap percentage, maybe more down to the 70 ish percent instead of the, high 80s and i think where he's getting drafted right now we're kind of almost expecting that 80 to 85 percent snap share and i think that's where we might oh we're getting a flag coach dan if I throw had a it. flag i'd be waving it as well and, and i'm gonna <laughs> let mitch take most of this because this is mitch's uh -oh. guy uh -oh. <laughs> but my my only point i'll slide in is 
that draft, that um, salary cap that, you know, where they have some money to spend, that's going to be long gone fixing the O-line, their secondary, their rookie draft. I don't see it going to running back. If they do bring someone else in, I think it would just be to spell James, Rob- James Robinson. But that's my challenge flag. I'll pass the rest to you, Mitchell. That's your boy. Yeah, let me just go with one thing. Oftentimes when you see running backs drop from high 80s or whatever down to 70, they become more efficient. Um, so like maybe not totally. So I don't see there being this dra- drastic decrease, you know, if he does get less touches um, and less snaps. Um, so it might affect him a little bit, but I don't think it'll affect him as much as the percentage drop in snaps. And they so got to take pressure off Lawrence too. My bad. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. So my question just is, I completely agree with what you said, is he probably is going to get a lower snap share. But isn't this already baked into his price to begin with? Because if you, if we actually believe that he's going to get that 80 to 85% snap share, still he's going to be going in the second round next to Chubb and whoever else is going up there. I mean, he'll be right below Dobbins and Swift if we saw that. But he's actually going like in the fifth. So he's actually dropped down quite a bit to where he's going around guys like Eckler. You know, and if you give me the option, do I want Eckler or do I want James Robinson? I'm going to take James Robinson each time. This is my red flag. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's a somewhat clean paper towel. But my only thing... And Josh, man, we're we're all ganging up on you here. Yeah, it's man. all good. I this we're, is controversial. This I said it beforehand. We're, we're following Bill's lead, but I completely agree with you. Eighty five percent, eighty nine percent, whatever it was. I don't know if that's sustainable, and I don't know if he's going to have to do that. But the big thing for me, you had Gardner Minshew, who was okay at times. You had what Mike Glennon come in, and now you're going to Trevor Lawrence. Are there going to be growing pains? Yes. But you have to believe he's going to have more red zone upside. He had five carries last year inside the five-yard line. That was behind guys like Kalen Balazs. And who's the other name I had? Alexander Madison, Malcolm Brown, Peyton Barber. All guys that had more carries inside the five than James Robinson. So while his snap share does come down, I have to believe that there's going to be more red zone upside. And look, it's like I said, and I I expected there to be some pushback on this one. I always preface this, especially on Twitter. It's like this isn't a James Robinson is bad tweet because that's what people take it as. It's like sounded like it. You think James Robinson is (laughs) bad, and I'm like, no, I think James Robinson is good. He's good, but this is why he sucks. No, (laughs) never never said the word sucks. I'm teasing you. But I, I do think with – and Coach Dan, you're right. I don't expect them to go out and sign like – I don't expect them to use that second first-round pick on like Travis Etienne or, or Najee Harris. Like I don't expect that. I don't even expect them with their two twos to probably take a guy. But they could take a third-rounder. They could get – you know, this salary cap is – you know, looks like it's going to be at about 185, 186. There are going to be some cuts just because teams weren't expecting this to happen. And I I just think a talent upgrade behind him doesn't render him useless. I just think it may render him uh, a little bit lower than what his current ADP is. And that's all I'm saying. And that's why I'm a little bit lower than consensus, because obviously 
as the four of you have uh, have shown, uh, the consensus <laughs> is, you know, James Robinson yeah. is going to be very, very good. And I don't think he, by the way, I don't think he's going to be very, very bad. But I just think maybe a little bit lower than we're all expecting. You know who's a free agent and I think has had a great history with Jacksonville? Leonard Fournette. That just makes so much sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Carlos Hyde. He did really well there for like three weeks. Yeah. Bring them all back. Actually, like I was thinking like a guy like Ingram or something. Like they could sign could somebody that. like him. Right. And and that's actually somebody that might hurt his goal line as well. So like, I mean, if I don't know if that was just an anomaly statistically or if they actually pulled him at goal line. Oh, like, they just weren't good enough to get to the red zone was the issue. Okay. Yeah. Right. I was gone for a minute, so I don't know if that was covered. Oh, you're good. So, yeah. <laughs> no, no. And, and JB brought it up that, you know, with the addition of, of Trevor Lawrence, you expect them to be scoring maybe just a little bit more than the uh, Jake Luton, uh, Gardner Minshew, other guy, whoever quarterback that they had last year. Well, and but you also have a quarterback that runs. So those are some things that may end up affecting him in that way as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, there might be some things that we're not projecting that could affect him. Mm-hmm. Re- really quick, just because I have it pulled up, Bill, uh, James Robinson, five carries inside the five. The rest of the team, Dari had one. <laughs> oh. mm, that's it. Okay. <laughs> That's all we got. Uh, uh, dis- Min- disregard. Minshew, Chenault, Luton, and Chris Thompson all had a red zone carry, but not inside the five. Wow. It's impressive. Wow. <laughs> and That's why they have the number prolific. one pick this year. Yeah. Right, they right, tanked, right. And they yeah. tanked well. That's amazing. They did it better than the Jets. They did That's indeed. right. <laughs> all right. Let, let's move on to this next one here. This is from the Pharaoh Fantasy at DTC underscore Izzy E. Uh, probably everyone who's watching this knows Izzy. Uh, now with Rudolph gone, who you got? Uh, Irv Smith, Noah Fant, or Dallas Goddard? So uh, we'll do a quick around the room. We'll start with JB. JB, who do you got out of these three? Yesterday it was Dallas Goddard. Mm-hmm. Today it's still Dallas Goddard. You know, I can see the slight uptick for Irv Smith because Kyle Rudolph is gone, but really, even if you didn't expect this, you had to believe that Irv Smith was going to be the guy in 2022. So I understand if you want to give him a little bump just for a more immediate opportunity. But for me, Dallas Goddard in an offense that we're assuming Irv's Irv Smith, I can't, holy cow, Zach Ertz is going to be out of Philadelphia. Then Dallas Goddard, even in an offense with presumably Jalen Hurts, uh, fewer passing attempts overall, but still look to target the tight end. I like Dallas Goddard, and I just think if we're looking to, that's too big of a bump for me for Irv Smith because of this news. All right, Coach Dan, who's your guy out of these three? Yeah, it's almost for me like two different questions here. It's like, who's your guy between Goddard and Fant? Because I don't think Smith is in with those two guys. Um, it is very close for me. You know, it depends on my Eagles hate or, or Noah <laughs> Fant, but. I, I do lean Goddard. Uh, you know, I know it all didn't come together, you know, last year with Hertz, but in playing DFS, I had my share of Hertz lineups and stacking them with Goddard. So I'm watching the games and Goddard guys, like he's starting to look like a wide receiver one in Philly, like the talents there, they were trying to get him the ball and he flashed like he's a stud. 
but they had no line. Hertz was up and down. Like the Eagles were just a hot mess. If their offensive line could just get marginally better and Hertz could progress a little bit, if, if he's their guy, who knows who they're going to draft. Um, but I think Goddard could really surprise some people, but I love Fant. They're right next to each other in my rankings. And then Irv Smith, I just, I love his age for a dynasty. And I think with Rudolph gone, that made me feel a little bit better about him. Cause he's a guy like, I want to get Goddard and Fant in the draft. One of those two, if I'm fading the big guys, I can't get them. And then I want to get Irv also later on. So well, I, I you're not going to get him later now. I mean, Dallas Goddard came in last in this poll. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to go Fant. I just, we've seen it work with Locke already. And so I have a lot of faith in that. And then Dallas Goddard, I, I love him as well, but I think people are actually going to be drafting him a lot higher than what I'm willing to do. But when I look at Irv Smith, like I kind of said it in our Discord chat, like he was gone from kind of irrelevant to me to where I didn't care previously. And now he's just hyped, but still, still kind of irre- irrelevant. It's I want one of the top eight tight ends. And if I end up leaving a draft with Hayden Hurst or Irv Smith or Robert Tanyan, like I'm pissed because I know other people have a position, a little advantage over me. If I could just add too, and watching all three of these tight ends, like very closely, especially late in the year, you know, trying to find that value tight end to play like Irv was really special in the red zone. Like they were starting to get him involved a little bit more there. He had some catches, but he still didn't get a lot of volume. Like even Conklin was coming on. Like, even if you want to take Rudolph out and Conklin's back, I don't know, maybe he replaces Rudolph, but like Fant, like Judy was dropping balls at one point and there was nobody else to throw to. So like, I know he was peppering Fant, but like there was nobody else to throw to where Goddard, they were trying to throw to him deep. They were trying to find him in the red zone. Like they were trying to really get him. They just All right. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get this right. So they were throwing to Noah Fant because they didn't have anybody. And so somehow that's downgrading him from Dallas Goddard, who was getting targeted because the Eagles didn't have anybody. Not entirely sure how we're – isn't it kind of the same? Hear me a little more here. So it's like – JB, help me. What's that stat I like? I know you guys are the analytic guys, but like the air yards. yards. So Goddard, Goddard was getting all really, these air Josh, yards. Josh and Bill, do you see the crap I deal with here? And everybody says, JB, you seemed aggravated on last week's episode. Damn right I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it all comes out now. I, I mean, Mitch, if Cortland Sutton comes back and Judy gets a little bit better, I mean, I just I don't know how much more of a ceiling fan has. I like Goddard's ceiling, I guess is what I'm saying. And and Bill, before before I let you go, uh, we should maybe change the name of this pod to the Dynasty Shrinks because we seem to uh, we have everyone on the couch here, and we're starting oh, to get awesome. it all to come out. So, uh, but Bill, who's your who's your guy out of these three? I mean, I agree with the guys that it's between Fant and uh, Gatter. Like, I think they're pretty close to each other. So, I would probably pick the guy I feel is more athletic, and so I would probably lean Fant slightly. But it's it's a pick 'em kind of almost for me. Um, you know, Irv's been interesting to me. I like him. He's a he's a, such a young tight end coming into the league, so he has such a great opportunity to grow. But you know, I just he's just not at that level, and I don't understand why a he's a small tight end. So he's essentially a receiving tight end, and that's pretty much going to be his role. So. I don't understand this huge jump 
because a blocking physical tight end left. Like they don't play the same roles. That's like saying, you know, uh, because Juju left, James Washington's going to be, you know, they're different types of receivers. It's like, you just have different guys who play different roles and it's just because the title of their position is the same. It doesn't mean that they provide the same, you know, skill set. So I don't think it affects them as much as what this Twitter machine is telling us it does. I've done like four or five podcasts with Bill and I'm fairly certain he's found a way to get James Washington mentioned in every single one. I don't know why, because I don't even have, I don't have him on one team. Every single guy. We're talking about something completely irrelevant. He's like, yeah, what about James Washington? It's like, Bill, we were talking about like making a turkey for Thanksgiving. What are you talking about James Washington? (laughs) Yeah, but James Washington's a turkey. <laughs> JB, I passed the torch, man, because I think I, I bugged JP for years thinking James Washington's good and JB's a Steelers fan, and then I finally gave up. So I'm happy Bill's picked it up. Hey, I'm going to do that now for every single episode <laughs> we're on together. Wait, can I say, though, really quick? James Washington's been somebody that I've been looking at later in drafts just because <laughs> uh, I, I, at the point that he's going now, I'm kind of intrigued. <laughs> There's something there, JB. There's something there. So I'm not going to lie. Really, the only reason I said him is because I'm in a dispersal right now, and I just picked him in the dispersal. So there you go. it was, like, fresh on my mind. Am I going to see trade offers tomorrow for our, uh, our listener league team where you're trying to acquire James Washington? No, you will not. <laughs> I'm not giving anything of value up for him. I didn't say, I didn't say give anything of value. I just said, are you going to try? Uh Mitch, who who, uh, who do you got here? I'm assuming it's between Fant and Goddard. Yeah, it's going to be Fant. Without a doubt, it's Fant. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and that's that. And I, I'm kind of with uh, most of you guys here. Uh, it's a coin flip. I think I, I'm going to go with Goddard, and I'm going to kind of piggyback off of Dan, but not really. I think that there are more weapons in Denver for – that Fant will have to compete with. I'm assuming health, so Sutton will be back. Judy's there. KJ Hamler can do a little something. You know, you have Fant there. They have, you know, um, Melvin Gordon. I I think the cupboard is a little bit more bare in Philadelphia. Uh, They have Goddard. They have Sanders. And then maybe they take Jamar Chase at number six in the draft. Maybe they take a quarterback if they don't believe in Jalen Hurts. We don't know what Philly is going to do with that pick. So that's why I'm going with Goddard. And I, since I'm in the Philly area, I see all the Eagles games. And Dan is right that, you know, once it was just kind of him and, you know, you know, Alshon Jeffrey limping around the field or whatever he was pretending to do, um, it, it was kind of like, let's get it to Goddard as much as we possibly can. And, you know, and he can do a lot of things on he can do a lot of things on the field. So um yeah, that's my guy. But I mean, honestly, flip a coin. I don't think you can go wrong either way. But gun to my head, I'm I'm going with Goddard. And despite the coaching change, really quick, despite the coaching change, it still ultimately is a product of the Doug Peterson tree, right? It goes Sirianni, Frank Reich. Doug Peterson, it's just full circle. So I don't expect too much to change from an offensive perspective. Now, the curveball is what do they do with Jalen Hurts and what impact does that have? But overall, I still think the tight ends get used there and hoping that Zach Hurts 
gets moved one way or another, not just for Dallas Guard's sake, but for Zach Ertz's dynasty life. Like, inject him with some type of life here, please. Hey, I and still want a tangent we... right now. What's that? I still want a tangent right now. Go for and it. Just real it. quick, what do you guys do with Jalen Hurts? Uh, so really quick, his value's been... <laughs> Mitch and I took part in two startups in one. He went like quarterback nine or 10. Then the next one, it was like quarterback 19 or 20. Like it was just absurd. I would, if I have him, I'm trying to find that one person in the league that just is head over heels for Jalen hurts. And if I can cap, you know, maximize that value and get like quarterback 12, 13, even 14 value in return, I'm doing it. I've tried to get 109 straight up in a super flex league, and I have been able to. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, like kind of bet you're kind of betting on what the Eagles are going to do, right? Like if you have any faith that the Eagles can win eight games, you should want Jalen Hurts on your team because he is going to be a top 10 scoring quarterback. My biggest worry is I don't think the Eagles are going to be remotely close to being good next year. And so then it's kind of a bet on, are they going to be willing to keep playing Jalen Hurts if they're two and six and losing, or are they going to put in somebody, whoever else they have behind him? Are they just going to bet him at that point? Cause they don't, they have like a second round draft capital in him and that's it. And so for me, I'm out just based on the Eagles franchise itself and not so much on Jalen Hurts. Do you think they draft a quarterback, Mitch? Because there's so much of that going on right now. It's so hard. I think they should. I mean, why not? If your franchise is in that big of a hole and you have the one shot to get a franchise quarterback, who whichever the big four it is this year, I I would do it. Yeah, and it, it, it's funny because I feel like Hertz may be the most polarizing player in Dynasty right now. I mean, there are the people who are like, let him go. He's going to run and get you a bunch of points. He's going to stick around. And then there's the other people who are like, he's not going to make it to May 1st because they're going to draft someone at six. So, I mean, the Eagles have, I mean, a ton of options at six because they have a ton of needs. So, exactly. they, you know, they could definitely take a quarterback if one falls, you know, if they like Justin Fields or maybe Zach Wilson for some unknown reason falls to six, you know, they could go Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith. I mean, heck, they could double up it and, take Kyle Pitts at six who know like it's they could literally do anything so can, uh, can I can I tangent off of Bill's tangent really quick yeah let's do it if first of all if they take Kyle Pitts I'm gonna throw my computer through a wall <laughs> because <laughs> now not only is Kyle Pitts it, you have to believe that's gonna hurt him a little bit especially in the short term but but our man Dallas Goddard who we just talked about for 20 minutes but if they take Jamar Chase, how much of that Jalen Rager, J.J. Orsega Whitesides in the back of everybody's mind that maybe we, we drop Jamar Chase overall and his perceived value changes? Do you think that takes place at all, that we see that at all? I don't know. I would love if they took Jamar Chase. And, like, I almost feel bad for Jalen Hurts. And I say almost because he plays for the Eagles, so I, I have barely any sympathy ever for the <laughs> Eagles, and I hope they stay terrible. But when you watch their games last year, I mean, the kid balled out. He played hard. And where I feel bad is the situation he's thrown into. 
because most good coaching staffs, when they know they have a young quarterback that you don't want to just crush his confidence and you want to build around him, like run the ball once in a while. You've got Miles Sanders in the backfield. Take some pressure off the kid. Run some screens. Do some more things with Miles. When they did utilize Miles, boy, that offense was going. And I saw it versus my Cowboys. First half, it was like the tale of two different games. He was horrible in the second half. Well, I should say he was horrible. I should say the Philadelphia offense was horrible. But you saw how deflated that team was when they took him out of the game because they know he gave them at least a chance. And so maybe that dysfunction's a, a little bit gone. Maybe I'm not confident in it. Like Mitch said, I, I don't have a lot of faith in this team. But right now in a draft, I am worried that they take a Trey Lance or some other quarterback. We've heard so many of those rumors where I'd be very reluctant to take him now if they don't take a quarterback. I'm a little more likely to take Hurts and then just kind of watching their offseason moves to see could they fix that offense. They need O-line help. I think Lance is the one QB they won't take um, just because I think the uh, citizens of Philadelphia would burn the stadium down if they took another North Dakota State quarterback. That's a so, good point. <laughs> so I think that's the one guy they don't take. But besides that, Coach Stan, I think you're right, man. They – they could go a bunch of different ways. I mean, they could even go like Rashawn Slater at six, you know, an offensive tackle because, I mean, whatever they were trying to do at left tackle last year just wasn't it. You know, it was, you know, Dillard, who was the first-round pick that got hurt. I mean, Jordan Mailata played well, but, I mean, he's kind of more of a rotational guy, a guy you just want as your sixth offensive lineman. So, It'll be, they might be one of the more interesting teams uh, as we go and watch the draft here. But uh, it'll oh. just be interesting to see who takes a quarterback before them. You know, yeah. I mean, it's going to yeah. be so telling. I can't wait. It's exciting to think about who may or may not take a quarterback. Yeah. Or who, who, who leapfrogs them? Or yeah. can they leverage that sixth overall? Hey, we're taking a quarterback. We're taking a quarterback just so somebody trades up. Oh, we were never taking a quarterback. We got you. And I think the, the cool part about that, JB, is that I think you're going to find that out before the draft because if they want to get into, you know, maybe the, the Jets stay with Darnold and they trade out of two to, to get more assets and not take a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields, they're, they're going to have to do that deal like a few days before the draft because, you know, People are talking about the Panthers at eight moving up, maybe even possibly Denver at nine trying to get up to, to get one of these guys. And then right after them is the Dolphins, and everybody in the league knows they're trying to trade out because they are either going to trade for Deshaun or they're going to have Tua. So they're not in the quarterback market. So it's going to be really interesting to see, and I think some of those trades are going to get done before the draft because – no one is going to want to play uh, play chicken until the day of the draft. There's a comment in the chat from Short Logic: Eagles should sign Alex Smith for Hertz if he ends up as an option. Really quick, just because Alex Smith was brought up, at speed, and then he's a good mentor, still could push him. Alex Smith being a mentor for a young quarterback for his old college coach. What about Alex Smith as a backup in Jacksonville? No fantasy value whatsoever. Yeah, just just something that popped in my head. Yeah, yeah. that's actually not that's that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, and I I think you know a lot of these teams that maybe are in this top ten that may take one of these quarterbacks, depending on where Alex Smith might be a good guy to have to kind of like uh what um 
McCown used to do with uh, with various teams. He would just go there. He was <laughs> the on the Jets. The yeah, with insert team here. <laughs> yeah, Jets, Eagles are the last two I could think of off the top of my head. But he would go there, and he was never going to be the guy, but he was there to teach the young kid how to play the game, how to be a professional. Yeah, JB, I mean, that's a really good point. I think he'd go to a lot of different places and just help a young quarterback get acclimated to the NFL, especially with kind of the weird draft process that a lot of these uh, guys are going to go through where they're not, you know, no combine, obviously that, that came and went that time period. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of zoom calls and, you know, I don't think a lot of prospects are going to be going to actual stadiums. So Alex Smith might really be kind of the first taste of the NFL that uh, a young quarterback might get. And I, I mean, I think it's a good one. So. I think in Dynasty, if we have Jalen Hurts or if we draft one of these young rookie quarterbacks, we want an Alex Smith or an Andy Dalton or a Ryan Fitzpatrick mentoring him. And uh, my last thought on that quarterback draft, like said JB said, hey, who's going to hop over there? But I think the Jets or the Falcons, I think they're crazy if they pass on my boy Zach Wilson. So, right, Mitch? Uh, yeah, good for them. Hopefully he goes to the Jets and doesn't ruin anybody else's career. That'd be good. <laughs> Mitch, I'm listening to Peter King today. He's a Utah boy, too. I'm, for that alone, I'm surprised you don't like him. I know he went to BYU, but he was like a Utah high school quarterback. And that's your neck of the woods, man. He, I'm almost positive he didn't go to high school in Utah. There's some sort of Utah connection. I know his dad. His dad is Utah alumni. <laughs> that could be it. Yeah. And then he's yeah. got like I mean, relatives that went to Utah. I think everyone wanted him to go to Utah, but then he no. Z- Zach Wilson attended Corner Canyon High School. High School oh. in Draper, Utah. Yeah, it's a new school. So you mentioned, you mentioned <laughs> Look at what you learned, man. man. He's just a Mitch is being a hater, guys. Man, we could do a whole show on the whole BYU and the competitive advantage they had, but we won't do it right now. So, so I know that uh, later on in the offseason, we're getting these guys back to do the, uh, the BYU competitive advantage uh, episode of the timeline. Steve Young's mentoring Zach Wilson right now, speaking of mentor quarterbacks, but I'm, I, I digress. Nah, I love it. I love the little <laughs> insights, man. This, this could... Uh, you, you, Coach Dan, could get uh, Zach Wilson maybe all the way up to one. Who knows? I'm not. I'm not skipping Trevor Lawrence, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm staying. I'm staying on that train. But after Lawrence, Wilson's my boy. That that was hard to say with a straight face. But uh, <laughs> we we got one more from uh, Dinah Nostradamus at Dinah Nostradamus um, Dynasty tip in a startup draft value slash rank players where you believe they will be ranked next season at minimum the biggest mistake i always see is people drafting players that are similarly priced right now but one is ascending and the other is descending so um, what is that nothing oh declining sorry reading fast and not really looking at words um all right so we'll go we'll go around the room mitch you can start what's uh what's one startup tip that you would give to uh the people listening So one thing that I really like to do is, and it works a lot better May through August, but it's trade. So 2021 season right now, trade your 2022 first for a first round pick this year. So say Rashad Bateman is still there in the eighth round. I don't care that you're trading, you know, the 22 second or first for that eighth rounder. You're trading it for Bateman. And I think Bateman is going to be, 109 through 112 in most drafts right now. I would rather just have that player right now. 
and then just not worry about it for next year because I know I already have that value on my team. All right, Bill. Yeah, this one, okay, I think I get caught in this as much as probably anybody, so maybe this is just me telling myself what to do, but when I'm in a startup, I get caught, like when you get into those middling rounds and towards the back, I start grabbing these veterans that I know I can get points from, and it just drives me crazy because I know what I'm going to get out of them. And so, like, the point accumulations should be early in the draft, and then, like, when you hit the middle and back back or lower rounds, it's all upside. And I, I fall into the rut of not doing that. So I just wrote upside four times on my sheet for this. And so, and I should probably do that and put a sticky note on my monitor just to remind me when I am in startups, because like last year I'm grabbing like golden Tate, like, you know, why am I grabbing golden Tate? Like he's, I know what he's going to get me. And you can get those players anytime if you really need to. So just go for the home run once you hit like the middle rounds. So that's, that's mine. Cool. Coach Dan. Yeah, that was a great one there. And I think I'm seeing all those golden Tates. There's like 50 of them on our draft board right now. And I'm probably shortchanging that a little bit. So definitely find that young, young draft capital, but you know, you're going into startup. Maybe you're, you're not as, that confident you're in a bunch of ringers in with a bunch of ringers like you guys you may start studying go on twitter if you can't find it yourself ask somebody review some drafts that have already happened all right you, you got nutcases like john and mitch who started drafting like it was like week 17 of the regular season it, it wasn't even like you know technically the, close to the new calendar year but that was helpful you know it, those those guys posted some drafts i got to see some market value Check out some websites with Dynasty rankings, good sources only, because not everyone wants to cover everything. Not everyone really understands Dynasty value. But just seeing where guys are going and being drafted could kind of help you make sure you're not overdrafting and then help adjust your rankings. My, my rankings, I feel, are so tight now from 18 rounds drafting with some guys that are legit drafters. Uh, you get a really good gauge for the, the market value. All right. We've got some good ones. JB, what's yours? JB told me before this show that this is a really good one. So I'm expecting excellence right here. Ooh, I'm excited. Mitch and I were talking about it earlier, and I like this question. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, all right, what about this now? What about this? And then something just came to me. So Dan just mentioned market values, and we always talk about it. We talk about it on Dynasty Theory. You guys talk about it. Everybody talks about market values. The the submarket values are so much more important. So when you're in your specific league and you're in a startup and you're two rounds in, and Josh, you and I were just DMing about this last week, two weeks ago, about quarterback runs. Yep. If your league says based on the way they're drafting, this is how we value quarterbacks, and you're in a super flex league, you can throw market value general market values out the window. Mitch and I were in a 14-team Superflex League. We were co-managing together. We ended up, was it the third round or second round? We took Trey Lance ahead of players. If you would post a poll on Twitter and I saw the options, I'm not picking Lance. I'm not picking Lance. But the league dictated that it was not a typical league and the market values were certainly 
a little bit different within this particular sub-market, which is the league. So I think it's very important that while, yes, there's an overall market and general consensus, your league is going to tell you a lot, especially in the first few rounds of a super flex startup, especially with how they value quarterbacks. So I think that's very important to really pay attention to and not just go off of the general you know, values that you see floating around on Twitter or, or general rankings. And, and you guys gave four doctorate level tips. I'm going to, I'm going to take it a little bit to high school. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of what JB was talking about, but be fluid in your draft. I, I hear a lot of people who are like, all right, so in the first round, I'm going to take a quarterback. And then in the second round, I'm going to grab my RB one. And then like, I'm not taking a wide receiver until round eight. They're everywhere. I can get them, blah, blah, blah. But like JB was saying, and, and this happened in our, our our listener league draft, the first eight picks were quarterback. And Bill and I were talking, and we were like, oh, it'd be nice to grab like a nice young quarterback because we were uh, we were one eleven. It'd be nice to grab a nice young quarterback. You know, I think you know probably Christian McCaffrey is going to be sprinkled in there. Saquon. No, it didn't work like that. And then we were like, okay, well, you know, that's not going to happen for us. Cool. What are we going to do now? All right, we'll just take Jonathan Taylor at 111. And it's, you know, and a lot of people, if you, you kind of like JB said, if you put a poll, where do you think Jonathan Taylor is going to go? It, you know, people are going to 103, 104, 105, you know, one, you know, very few people would probably say 111, 112, 201. So you know, like JB was saying, you have to see what your draft is doing and see what's going on because, you know, Bill and I had also talked about, you know, probably getting wide receiver a little bit later, but we're kind of looking around and CD Lamb is still just like hanging out. It's like, hey, round four, he's still round five. We're like, hey, uh, people just keep sleeping on CD Lamb. Should we take him? Yeah, it wasn't part of the plan. We were going to wait on, on wide receiver, but you have to be fluid because like JB said, you know, your your league is going to determine what the value of players and positions are. It's not what you think is going to happen because when you're with 11, 13, 15 other people, they all have their ideas about where players should go and how the draft will look. So just be fluid, you know, get your guy if you need to, you know, it, it like JB said, oh, you know, we took Trey Lance way earlier than everyone would tell us to cool who cares like if that's your guy and that's the guy you think is going to end up being the biggest impact on your team the way your roster is constructed at that time like go get them because guess what if trey lance ends up being the qb1 or the qb2 out of this draft class no one is going to yell at no one's going to say well you still took them two rounds too early they're going to be like you had the foresight to kind of see where this was going and you got there before everyone else. It was kind of the same thing. Antonio Gibson last year, there were people who were like, he only had like 33 touches at Memphis. Like, I don't believe in it. And there were other people that were like, yeah, but he's explosive on the field. And by the way, I was in the first category. I was not an Antonio Gibson believer. So I'm, this is, <laughs> this is personal experience here. And, you know, the people who were behind him were like, yeah, but look at him. He's explosive. He can catch the ball. Like his skill set translates well into an NFL setting. And actually, Trey Lance, I think, has a lot of the same 
quarterback skill set that translates well into the NFL setting. He may need a year or two to, you know, grow up a little. He's really young, but I think he has the the talent to be really, really good in the league. So, yeah, I mean, these guys are doctors. I'm just in high school. But, yeah, just stay fluid and just, you know, don't let don't let your ideas dictate what you're going to do. Kind of let the draft show you where to go and where to find that value. And if Trey Lance does do well, Mitch and I will say, oh, yeah, we saw this coming. We'll ignore the fact that 18 of the first 25 picks were quarterbacks. <laughs> we'll leave the, yeah, yeah, yeah. We took Trey Lance in the second, but he was quarterback 19. Listen, the uh, the history is written by the victors, and if you if you guys win that, you can write whatever history you want at the end of it. So That's here we right. go. Oh man, so uh, so guys, I mean, we're at the end. I'm a little sad because I feel like we could probably go another hour if we really wanted to, but uh, that's uh, that's what we got on the show sheet for this week so i want to thank uh, all three of you personally i'm going to give all three of you guys a chance to uh to tell people whatever you want to tell them but i appreciate all you guys getting on it's good to have the entire crew i mean like i said earlier one of my favorite podcasts i don't miss it because if i do i feel like i'm probably uh gonna miss learning something so uh i appreciate you guys um and you guys can go in any order just tell people where they can find you, what you're up to, and what you're doing. Uh, I'll start. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. I'm, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> g- g- give me ten minutes here. Let me get my spiel in. No, <laughs> find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club, and then make sure you're following the show at Dynasty Theory FF. We're live every Tuesday night, nine p.m., with the exception of last night. Took a mental health day, if you will. Um, but I had to make sure that I could jump on with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I was having a day yesterday, if I'm going to be honest. But uh, yeah, I mean, the guys, th- this is so much fun. Anytime we have a chance to to catch up with Bill and Josh, I mean, I, I have an absolute blast. I've been looking forward to this since we first talked about it. I'll save that beautiful guy up top with the fancy hair for last. <laughs> but uh, man, I always appreciate it. Follow on Twitter, FF Coach Dan. Listen to us on Dynasty Theory. And other than that, guys, always a pleasure being on Fantasy Timeline. Bill, Josh, you guys are awesome. Had a great time tonight. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to say thanks for, you know, having us on. I'm at DinoMC on Twitter. If you want to see, like, smart-ass comments about Dynasty Twitter itself nonstop, that's all I do. Like, if you're there for, like, any analysis or anything, that's not for me. That's for these guys. But if you want to see me mock, like, running back age metrics and stuff, that's what I'm there for. Mitchell texts me early in the morning and be like, Hey, I throw out a troll tweet. I'm like, dude, like I yes. didn't have I you're two hours behind me. I didn't finish my first cup of coffee yet. And you're trying to start fights on Twitter. Sure, if you want to, man. <laughs> I love it. Well, guys, I um yeah, I, I'm just gonna echo everything that's been said. I love chatting with you guys. It's always a good time and um you know really appreciate it when we do get the chance to because I know we're all busy. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I always uh, lurk in the background when uh, when Mitch starts something, and I, I'm just there for the uh, for the replies. So I usually don't get involved, or I'll, I'll usually just hit that heart and be like, "Yeah, I like this," because <laughs> I want to make I want to make sure that I uh, I keep in tune with everything that's going back and forth. But uh, again, man, uh, thank you all again. It's 
it's so awesome having you guys on. Uh, you're not only my fav- one of my favorite podcasts, but you're some of my uh, favorite guests to have on. And, uh, you know, I want to thank everyone who was in the chat as well. Uh, Lindsay, Short Logic, Steve Dennis, uh, people were flowing in and out. Uh, thank you for being in the chat. It always makes it more fun. If you are watching this on YouTube and for some reason you haven't uh, subscribed and hit that bell, uh, do that. It would be appreciated. Plus, you get to see what we're doing. Uh, So that's always a fun thing. Uh, If you're doing the podcast thing, appreciate that, too. We're an hour, 15 minutes into this, and you could literally be doing anything else, but you decide to listen to uh, four very smart individuals and me talk. So uh, appreciate that. And just remember to uh, subscribe, uh, rate and review if you can on that as well. Just helps us get out there and uh, get a couple more eyes uh, taking a look at us. So on that note, Bill, we are out of here. Late.